everybody, this is Tom Arnold, and you're listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Ryan Dalton on going to college in the same town you grew up in. Yeah, uh, I experienced life, even though it was in the same town I grew up in, it was like a different universe. I was raised like a veal. I wasn't really allowed to experience things outside of my house. My mom was constantly putting into my head that as soon as you walk outside, death was waiting. We'll hear more from Ryan in just a bit. Conservatives believe strongly in free speech, unless you have an opinion that's different from theirs. And if you do, what should happen to you, Bill O'Reilly? You deserve to be slapped around. Yes, we'll talk more about that as well in a bit. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Gay marriages in Utah may continue. A federal judge ruled, rejecting a bid by the state to delay his ruling last week, declaring a law barring the unions unconstitutional. Sadly, the newlyweds won't be getting duck calls, gift cards at Chick-fil-A, or any crafts from Hobby Lobby as wedding gifts. Delta Airlines will honor super cheap fares that were generated during a computer glitch the company announced this past Friday. The airline will accept tickets purchased for as little as $48 round-trip cross-country, but will make those passengers sit by a crying baby or a guy that really needs two seats. It wasn't a very Merry Christmas for Tori and Dean this year. Tori Spelling's husband of seven years, Dean McDermott, cheated on her with another woman, and the new issue of Us Weekly has all the exclusive details, including an extensive interview with the woman. You know, it's shocking that a guy that left his wife and kids for Tori Spelling would stray like that. Consumer frustration and outrage over the Target credit card breach is moving from Facebook and Twitter to the courts and state governments, even as the stolen accounts are flooding the black market. Three class action lawsuits have been filed in the wake of the theft of data on about 40 million credit and debit card accounts of shoppers at Target from November 27th through the December 15th. More than $5 million in damages is being sought in the two cases, two of which were filed in California and one in Oregon, said one Target spokesman, hey, it's not like we did something evil like tried to get people affordable health care or something. And finally, leaders of UPS say they've cleared a backlog of holiday packages, but angry customers are demanding refunds because some gifts did not arrive by Christmas. The worldwide shipper will refund charges for delayed international and air deliveries, a uh, company spokesman said on Friday. Ground shipping is not guaranteed, though, during the peak holiday season, so those customers will not get refunds, she said. The shipper also said that Monday, December 30th, is the deadline for Christmas delivery 2014. And that's been Fake News with me. I wanted to get to the story last week, but the show ran a little long, and then I was afraid, well, maybe it won't be newsworthy uh, this week, but uh, it still is. Phil Robertson, uh, has, it was just announced, has been reinstated on his reality show, Duck Dynasty. And uh, from the beginning, I really didn't want to focus on uh, his, you know, his homophobic views uh, or you know, the, the freedom of speech thing so much as the reaction to it. And who do I always go to for a good reaction to things like this? Well, of course, our friends at the Media Research Council and their affiliate uh, Newsbusters Busted, whichever one it is. So, of course, now when your side has been attacked, it's important to create an alternate reality and stick to it. So they post this thing on their Facebook page. It's got a picture of uh, Phil Robertson on one side and Martin Brazier on the other. Under Phil's picture, it says, Phil Robertson shares his views on homosexuality and media outrage. And then on the other side, Martin Bashir insinuates someone should defecate on Sarah Palin. Media silent. Now, first of all, Martin Bashir over the line. Totally. 
Uh, media silent? Hmm. MSNBC's Martin Bashir kicked off an avalanche of criticism when he described a slave owner who punished slaves by making them defecate in a transgressor's mouth. Then he made a suggestion about how to respond to Sarah Palin, who critics said had trivialized slavery by comparing it to the U.S. debt. That was from CNN, and they uh, then had a discussion about whether at that point Martin Bashir should be fired or resigned. Uh, not a very silent conversation, as I recall. And, uh, gee, what about uh, Mar- Bashir's co-workers like, I don't know, say, uh, Joe Scarborough? Uh, but but in this, I, I will tell you this. Every time something horrific is said like that, I go in and I talk to Phil Griffin, who I'm good friends with, and I say, Phil, this is unacceptable. Either they apologize for it or I'm going to take it up myself. That was Joe Scarborough appearing on a radio talk show uh, talking about his still-then-colleague Martin Brugier. So uh, media not silent, uh, and then this happened. Last Friday on this broadcast, I made some comments which were deeply offensive and directed at Governor Sarah Palin. I wanted to take this opportunity to say sorry to Mrs. Palin and to also offer an unreserved apology to her friends and family, her supporters, our viewers, and anyone who may have heard what I said. So he owned up, said he was sorry, said he was in the wrong, which he really was. It was over the line. Uh, But still. We are talking about Martin Bashir. What is his fate? He has resigned from MSNBC. This is several weeks after he had made comments about Sarah Palin. I don't know. I'm just not getting the whole media silence thing. Hey, let's ask the lady that was at the center of all this. Well, it was refreshing to see, though, that many in the media did come out and say, look, our standards have got to be higher than this. Those with that platform, with a microphone, a camera in their face, they have to have some more responsibility taken. But wait, the Media Research Council, who do scientific research to prove liberal bias, said the media was being silent. Yet the lady at the center of all this thanked the media for not being silent. Okay, so, oh, and then I like this little interesting nugget at the end. Let me play that again for you. Those with that platform, with a microphone, a camera in their face, they have to have some more responsibility taken. Unless you're basing bigotry in biblical scripture, (laughs) then that's cool, man. Then you've got to go out and shout it from the mountaintop. Okay, well, do you say there's a double standard, though, P.F.? Liberals can say whatever they want about gays. Alec Baldwin used a gay slur, and uh uh-oh. It looks like MSNBC and Alec Baldwin have officially ended his Friday night show, apparently their relationship as well. In a statement, the two sides saying, quote, we are jointly confirming that Uplate will not continue on MSNBC. Again, uh, I like Alec Baldwin as an actor. Uh, I like where he is mostly politically, but man, he just seems like a jerk away from the camera, doesn't he? And also, if the Media Research Council had done some research, they would have found that a lot of uh, people on the left came out and said, oh, well, Alec didn't mean it, and it's just the way he grew up. Nah, mm-mm, doesn't fly. You can't, we can't have one set of standards over here and expect the other side to live up to them, too. So, uh, no. But again, they didn't do the research, even though they do research to prove scientifically there's liberal bias in the media. All right, well, conservatives never freak out uh, when it comes to free speech. Uh, has an opinion that's different from theirs. Uh, well, for example, remember when Pierce Morgan said this? There's an issue you know I care passionately about. So here is my position, loud and clear. I'm in favor of a nationwide ban on military-style semi-automatic assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Nobody on the right overreacted to that. In response to Pierce's blatant attack on the U.S. Constitution and Second Amendment, a White House petition has been launched petitioning the immediate deportation of Pierce back to England. Okay, to be fair, I've never really cared for Piers Morgan way before he was on CNN and was talking about guns. I, I didn't even like him when he was saying stuff like this. How can you, how can you not know if it's gone well? 
I mean, it's a magic trick. You either like it or you don't. That's Piers Morgan when he was one of the judges on America's Got Talent. And honest to God, when I used to see him on that show, my reaction was, who is this English guy coming over and telling us who's talented and who's not? We fought a war against you people. To... Now, for some reason, I didn't have a problem with uh, Sharon Osbourne, I guess because uh, her husband has lived on and off and worked on and off in, in America for most of his career. But I don't know, just Piers Morgan was just a bit off-putting showing up and, and telling us who was talented and who was not. Okay. So anyway, uh, people were a little bit rough there on Phil Robertson, but he was just expressing his opinion. That's very important to conservatives. That, that they're very supportive of people expressing opinions. Well, 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 like these ladies. Just so you know, we're ashamed the president of the United States is from Texas. When Dixie Chick said that, the conservatives had their back to push them over a cliff. She's who no, think their cause is just. Men. Is this a matter of free speech or bad manners? Their opinion is so ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. I think they are the ditzy twits. These are the <laughs> dumbest, dumbest bimbos, with due respect, I have seen. These are callow, foolish women who deserve to be slapped around. Now, Bill O'Reilly, who you heard they're calling for violent action against the Dixie Chicks, uh, of course, feels a lot differently now, as does one of his guests, Laura Ingram. Remember her? She's the self-appointed expert on celebrities expressing their opinions. I wrote a book called Shut Up and Saying This. Only now it's a little more nuanced. It's uh, more like shut up and let people say ignorant stuff as long as you agree with it, because if you don't, she knew they a want him to shut up. Oh, it's the new blacklist, Bill. It's the new blacklist. There's no and doubt about you, that. If you don't submit to their worldview, but I think they Phil, will try to destroy you. Yes, they're trying to destroy this rich, white, Christian man. So let's review. I guess if you say something offensive about gays who are actual people, it's free speech. But if you're critical of inanimate objects like guns, you've crossed the line. Right, Laura? And I would suggest to Mr. Costas, uh, you don't know that much about what you're talking about. So stick to the area right. that you're really smart about, which is sports. But wait, you, you wrote that book. What was it called again? Shut up and saying this. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So quick review. Gays, sinners. They're wrong for being gay even though they were born that way and, and really can't change it. And people need to be able to say that without being hassled. Guns, on the other hand, well, maybe we should look a little more closely at who we hand them to. Whoa, 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 shut up and talk about sports, man. Yeah, okay, well, I guess I'm going to write a book called Shut Up and Make Duck Calls and do made-up stuff on your reality TV show. Hey folks, the interview with Ryan Dalton is coming up. You know Ryan is from Cleveland, Ohio, and you know what else is from Cleveland, Ohio? Home shirts. That's right. Go to homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland and pick up all your vintage apparel from Northeast Ohio. That includes Youngstown and Akron as well as Cleveland. The defunct sports teams like the Cleveland Crusaders, the Cleveland Barons, the Cleveland Cobras, uh, amusement parks, Idora Park, uh, Geauga Lake. All sorts of things like that. Uh, we have other cities as well, including uh, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, and Indianapolis. But we don't make any money when you buy shirts from them. So go to Home Shirts Cleveland for all your vintage apparel needs. Go to HomeShirtsCleveland.com and bookmark it and do all your shopping there, okay? Ryan Dalton is a comedian from Cleveland, Ohio, and we spend this interview talking about our hometown and also Ryan's desire to be on television and his move to Los Angeles coming up in the new year. So here now is our interview with Ryan Dalton. Perfect, man. All right. Well, we'll, uh, 
I'm also going to use this for my podcast, if you don't mind. Oh, hey, multitasking. There you go. Yeah. All right. So let me walk him in, and we'll get rolling. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder from my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, it's Ryan Dalton. Ryan, how you doing? I'm great. I am... uh I won't lie to you. I'm just waking up from my second nap of the day. You uh, know, it's uh, it's a rough life. I should live so long. Uh, well, yeah, I'm trying to, and I feel like napping is the way to go. It really is very restful. Yeah, yeah. we've mm-hmm. uh, we've actually met before. I don't know if you remember. Where do we meet? Uh, in Cincinnati, I was writing an article about Josh Need's T-shirt business when it first started, and they had a little building uh, across the river, uh, I believe, in Bellevue, Kentucky. And you were just oh, hanging yeah. out. Yeah, you were just hanging out. You were featuring for him that night. And, That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, that would um, be like four or five years ago now? Uh, I think it's longer than that. Well, no, that seems about right, yeah. Yeah, that would be right, in that, right around that range. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now I'm mixed up in that very same t-shirt business with him. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, how's it going? Going pretty good. We, we are in charge of the Cleveland uh, store, I guess you could say. So, oh, great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so it's been, uh, been going pretty well. Christmas has been a good time, getting people into their vintage Cleveland gear. Yeah, that's a big thing here, man. There's like I, I live in Lakewood, Ohio, Yeah, which is right down the street from the GV Art and Design. They got their T-shirts, and, uh, and then there's another one, uh, CLE Clothing. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's like three of them, and it's just Cleveland T-shirts, and you just go everywhere, and people love just for showing that off here. It's yeah. insane. It's like an ongoing competition. It's, it's crazy. It is, uh, and hopefully we can get a lot of people that are uh, you know out of town. And um, even one of my things I've been trying to push is like even people that have never been to any of the cities that we do business in might like a shirt of you know, a defunct sports team. I'm a big fan of defunct sports leagues, so and I love the Philadelphia Bell shirt that we have over in our Philadelphia store. I've never been to Philly in my life, but it would still right. be cool to have. Yeah, and uh, we used to live in Lakewood actually. My wife and I we lived uh, right a, a half a block over from Malley's on Madison. Okay, and then we lived up on Lewis lived, Drive. Uh, 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 about a block from Detroit. Oh wow! We live on uh, Madison. We live on Marlow in between Franklin and Madison. Oh, there you like go. Right across from Players Restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lakewood is a fun, fun place. Fun place to live. Yeah, it uh, it's actually come up. I mean, uh, I, I moved here. I don't know, like five. I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. Now, and it was downtown was kind of dumpy, but they they just dumped so much money into downtown. And Madison, I mean, just the town. I mean, they really, it's really spruced up. All the schools got refinished, and they've got oh, more cool. to do. It's really nice. Where did you move from? Uh, I well, man, I mean, that's a tough one. I was living in, uh, I was living in like uh, Westlake, and okay. then like I lived in New York for a while. And oh, okay. So I, I like came to Lakewood, move away, came back to Lakewood. And okay. I, well, I love you, having a house here. Where are you from originally? Uh, originally, I grew up in Kent, Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Kent yeah. State University. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Golden Flat. My mom uh, got her master's Golden degree from flashes. Kent. Oh, no, yeah. That's yeah, great. Yeah. That's so, great. uh, drove down to there a couple times, down 306 before we had freeways even back in the 70s, and, uh, yeah, some nice memories of, uh, of Cal. I almost went there for college, but decided to go to Bowling Green instead. Oh, yeah. It's, well, another Mid-American Conference school. There you go. School. <laughs> And uh, I went to Kent because my dad worked there, and okay. tuition was free. There you go, man. Can't beat that. Yeah. That is the only smart financial decision I've ever made. So, <laughs> so what did you go See, to study? Everyone after that has been yeah. a nosedive. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what well, did you go to, to study there at uh, 
at uh, Kent State? Uh, I studied marketing. I studied marketing, and uh, I uh, joined a fraternity when I was there and uh, experienced all the things I never experienced in high school as a late bloomer. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I experienced life at Kent State. Even though it was in the same town I grew up in, it was like a different universe. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I guess that would be kind of strange. Very weird. Yeah. Uh, I was raised like a veal. I wasn't really allowed to experience things outside of my house. My mom constantly, uh, you know, putting it in my head that as soon as you walk outside, death was waiting <laughs> at all times. Like, why would you leave your house? Death is coming for you at every moment and every angle. <laughs> I mean, don't you watch the news? There's just death and murder and rape. Why would you want to leave the street you grew up on? And I'm like, okay, uh, I believe you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so yeah. when did the interest in comedy crop up? Was it something you'd always, like, as a kid, you were a fan of comedy, or did that come in college and people said, hey, you're a funny guy, you, you got to doing these open mic things? Well, it was both. In high school, like, growing up, I used to love watching stand-up comedy, and I was like, oh, man, because I, cl- I was the class cut-up, and, you know, I was always envious of how good these people were at making people laugh and how much they made me laugh, you know? Yeah. And then, like, when it came to... You know, uh, college, I really amped it up because that was my way of getting noticed. I was Mr. I was the guy I would probably hate to meet right now, the dude who's on all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate that. Oh, God, I hate it. But I was that guy. Yeah. And uh, my my fraternity brothers were like, oh, my God, you should be a comic because this, this, this is what you do. You love being a complete spaz. And, um, and, you know, it was just something I thought of. And then... I graduated Kent, and uh, one of my one of my fraternity brothers, he went. To, he moved to New York, and he you know started working at a restaurant, and the restaurant was right next door to the comedy club. And he went there, and then he got he, he loved it. and He started trying out comedy, and his name was Steve Byrne. Oh yeah, and, I know Steve. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he. Well, I remember he was like, "Hey, look." Um, you are funny, and you tell these funny stories, and if there's any one person who needs to be a comedian, it's you. It's like, this is what you do. So he got me my first time on stage, and after that, I was hooked. I mean, I didn't do that well, but then I took a comedy club workshop, and then I did really well, and I was hooked. I knew you and Steve were mates, but I didn't realize how far back that relationship went. That's fascinating. Yeah, we were, we've been friends before comedy. Huh. Prepare to have yeah. your mind blown. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time in Pittsburgh in high school because that's where my dad moved uh, in the 70s. He, the only place he could find a job, couldn't find one in Cleveland. They hired him, sent him to Pittsburgh. Said, you can move back to Cleveland in six months. Never happened. So I became friends with some guys down there. One of them has since become a comedian. His name is Mike Travers. He does a guitar thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he is friends with Steve Byrne, who's also from Pittsburgh. Crazy. Yeah. So, wow. Small comedy small world. Small, uh, small part of the country. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, yeah. I forgot Steve went to Kent State. I've interviewed him before, and uh, I know I knew that, but um, yeah, yeah. So but, he's uh, and we've been friends ever since. He's a, he's one of the greatest human beings. Oh yeah, he's the the, the the he's the nicest guy. And even on his busy sitcom TV schedule, was able to squeeze us in. And uh, he did the podcast, and uh, he was able to write up for him. And uh, I think it was for City Pages, which is what this will be for as well. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was uh, it was really cool. Um, so uh. What? How long did it take you to really kind of like find your voice? Did you know what what kind of humor you wanted to do, or did you kind of just dabble around and you know? Because uh, a lot of guys really go back time. and forth, and it took me a really, really long time. I, uh, um, you know, because I was like more concerned about being. I didn't do it the way a lot of comics did. A lot of comics that like you know they, they get interested and then they move to the east or west coast, 
And I guess I guess when you're there, I think you would find your voice faster. Yeah. Because you know you got so many comics out there, and you want to be unique, so it forces you to do that way. I was more concerned about being funny and learning how to be funny. And but I wasn't really writing bits that weren't anything that you couldn't copy and paste and put in anybody's act. Uh. And I'd say I'd say I. Honestly, I think it took me upwards of close to 10 years to find that voice and uh, then to get comfortable in that character of, of, of who I am. And so I think that's, that's how long it took. Now, of course, of course Cleveland has produced a, uh, a long line of, of comics, uh, including mm-hmm. you know yourself, um, Mike Polk, Tammy Pascatelli. Uh, John Caprulo, I consider a Clevelander, even though he's from Steubenville, because he's a big Browns fan, so I guess I just lump him yeah, in. Yeah. But uh, do you think, is is there something about, you know, because it just seems to me, or maybe it's because I'm from there, I notice it more. We seem to produce more comedians in our, our sister cities, uh, like where I am now, Cincinnati, even though we've got a great scene here in Pittsburgh and, and you know, Columbus and places like that. Do you, is it just something, you know, growing up where we seem to have a sense of humor about ourselves, maybe? That, that I, believe re- that, I believe that's totally it, because, I mean, if there's one thing I've noticed, and this even goes so far as that T-shirt discussion, a lot of these T-shirts are self-deprecating. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Um, and they're inside self-deprecating, the stuff that only if you're from here you know. Yeah. And there's a pride in that, on that self-deprecation. It's so much of a pride that if you make fun of us and you're from the outer areas, you can go, go straight to hell. But if it's us making fun of ourselves, it's right. like a competition, like who has it worse. Yeah. And I think that recipe for, you know, we're, Cleveland's kind of looked at as like an, on a national scale, it's kind of like this is a joke, they're never good, uh, it's a place where terrible things happen historically. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a place where, you know, a place where megastars want to leave, where, uh, you know, rivers catch fire. I mean, there's just a laundry list of just terrible things Sports-wise, you throw that in there. That's another one. And it's just like when you have that, you have no other choice but to make fun of yourself. Yeah. You know? And I think that, I honestly believe where that's where it all stems from. I, I've always said that I feel Cleveland is a comedy is what Seattle was to, like, grunge music. Yes. It was yes. just the perfect recipe for putting out something like that. And I think that's what's going on here. And, you know, even as I sit here and I talk to you, I mean, the scene has grown here dramatically. Uh, I mean, last night I did a show uh, with some comics, and they threw it. It was like sold out. It was a sold out variety show on a Wednesday night, and it, and and they they just more and more people have been coming to these shows, uh, and the scene and there's more and more shows to do. Way more than when I started out, man. There's you, you got to say like once a week is as much as you got up, and now there's like there's there's a show there's a stage every night here. That's it's cool. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's funny you're saying about that uh, the self-deprecating thing and uh, the kind of the inside joke thing. Having lived in, in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh for a number of years, uh, there's each of those. Like I think Pittsburgh kind of has the self-deprecating thing, and Cincinnati kind of has the you were kind of unique thing, especially in the food area. But they don't have both. I think like we do in in Cleveland. Right. Yeah. Uh, here's a little fact for you. Yeah. In the last three years in a row. A, Cle- a Cleveland comic has been invited to join the Montreal Comedy Festival, the Just for Last Festival. It's the world's largest comedy festival. And not to sound show busy, and, and you can know I can because I live in Lakewood, yeah. but all, <laughs> that's the one that all of show business goes to. Yeah. Like, I- all of comedy, the decision makers in, in show business, they all attend that. And for three years in a row, someone has been handpicked out of Cleveland to go see that. And I, I think that's a... 
it's a little known fact, but I consider it a point of pride. That's big, yeah. And I think regular listeners of this podcast who follow the comedy scene know that uh, Montreal is is a is the big one, along with like you know well, Edinburgh in a different way and Aspen, and those are like your the biggies where uh, yeah. folks get discovered. Yeah, that is really cool. I did not know that myself. I, I'm learning yeah, something it's here. Been, uh, it was it was uh, I was me, uh, Jim Hughes, and Mike Polk. And uh, love Mike yeah, Polk. I was, I was super proud for those guys, and it was just. You know, it was always like mind blowing because I was just, you know, the odds are always stacked against you when you're not in a New York or Los Angeles because that's that's all who you meet out there. I was, it was like me and everybody else from New York to Los Angeles. So, do you think it'll be a thing like in the music business where once one city, you know, we saw this with you know Manchester, England back in 1990, and then immediately followed by Seattle and I guess Athens, Georgia before either of those two, is once a couple you know acts come out of one of those places the industry kind of, you know, descends upon it, or does it not work that way in stand-up? I feel like it, I, I want it to, because, I mean, look, it, with the advent of the internet, you can look at anybody's clips online, you don't even have to leave your, you don't have to leave your bed, and you can check out anybody's clips as long as they have them available, as long as you find out where they're from, and so you would think that that would even the playing ground, right? Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's like, you have to, like, if you want to do something in this, you kind of got to move, get up and move your way out the east and west coast if you're gonna if you're gonna be taken seriously and i mean it's i've been real stubborn about it and uh but it's it's the reality of the situation it's like people it's you're always going to have that stigma and it's also management's going to look at you like hey we want to work with you you think you're great but what are we going to do i mean all the opportunities are here and you live there yeah and it's it sucks I mean, I, I mean, I do this for a living. I travel. I make my living just doing comedy. That alone should tell you something. It's not like, you know, it's not like I'm. I'm it's not like I'm just doing this as a hobby. Like I travel the country internationally just to do this job. And you would think that'd be enough, but it's not. You got to like switch your locale. And nothing against those east, those east or west coasts. When you know where your home is, you know where your home is. Yeah. And it's just like. All right, I guess I got to move my life just to become another number. Are you thinking of moving still? Or are you? Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is. Uh, I'm in. I'm going to be checking out my options in the West Coast. But Steve's uh, show, Sullivan Sons, doing well. And yes. He he got, he let me. He, I mean, this is another measure of how nice a guy he is. He got me two. I was on two episodes of his show, and I got to have lines. And, and, and believe me, it wasn't lost on me just to be able to walk onto a set on Warner Brothers lot and be on a, on a sitcom. Because, I mean, when you're there, you know, if you're there for half an hour, you know how many actors are around who would kill for a part in any television show. Oh, yeah. And it's not lost. And, he just, and the fact that he just, he extended that to a guy who lives three time zones away, you know, and just has known somebody. I mean, that's, that's the measure of how nice of a human being that guy is. That is cool, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, but yeah, I, I, I want to do more than that, so I'm gonna probably I'm gonna be heading out west. Okay, well that's that's cool. That's uh, yeah. that, that's good to know. So, what kind of things are you talking about uh, on stage these days? Oh, you know, airplane food, um, <laughs> really crazy stuff like uh, the weather. No, um, uh, I just wrapped up uh, my second CD. It's uh, it's gonna be called I'm Married. Let me tell you about it. Okay. And um, I basically put to bed a lot of stuff. I'm, st- I'm starting to write on new things. But uh, basically, I was talking about, you know, basically my life is being married and, uh, you know, what's been going on with that and, you know, a, you know, a new marriage. And, 
you know, just some behaviors I've noticed within myself that has changed. And um, that's really it, really. So you're, you're building a new hour, as they say? Uh, uh, yeah, now I am. Yeah. Like, right now I'm, I'm looking at the, right now I'm looking at the notebook going, okay, here are the ideas I've been sketching out and kind of hashing out on stage. And uh, I'm going to really, I think this one, I don't, I've I, I never considered myself to be edgy. I know some people like want to be edgy, like they want to elicit a reaction to the material that way. But I'm getting to that point where I'm just old enough where the stuff I was scared to talk about is something I really want to talk about. And if somebody doesn't like it, I really don't care. Because I've spent the majority of my career being scared. That I don't want to offend anybody. But if you start to do that, then you just start to just shy away from things that you enjoy talking about. Yeah, well, like what kind of things? You know? um, about how much I hate blacks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, they're so awful. No, um, you know, just for example, I was writing this. I was I had this bit last night. I was starting out and um, just about like Christmas and how like. I, I believe that this whole, you know, the whole thing of the birth of Christ was, you know, and the whole thing about immaculate conception. I was just, I was like, that's got to be the first case of 16 and pregnant. I mean, <laughs> it's a lie. I mean, who who falls for that? Who says, oh, no, I'm pregnant, but, you know, nobody had sex with me. It's God's baby. And you're just like, you're her boyfriend going, oh, that's cool. No big deal. I'll raise that kid. No big deal. I mean... <laughs> I don't know anybody that, like you. You bring that situation to anybody in present day, they'd be like, "Get out of my life! You're full of it. You're 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 terrible." So it's just, it's like, you know, it's just stuff like that. And I know, I think when I start to get into it, mainly because it's not timed out right, and of course, yeah, it's not, yeah. it's raw. You can start. You see people get squeamish. Sure. And I'm trying to write that. It's just I'm just starting to get to that point where I'm like, does anybody else think that this is ridiculous? <laughs> I'm not anti-religion or anything. I mean, I grew up Episcopalian. It's just that I'm starting to look at the stuff a little differently now. I think, and I think it's because I'm an age where I just don't care what what people think. Yeah. Well, and I guess since you have the you know the, the background you have behind you now from having you know toured so much relentlessly, I, I would imagine that would help kind of build a little confidence in the fact that you can say, well, I, I can talk about this thing in a way that's not gonna that may at first freak people out, but I'll be able to bring it under control. Right. And I think also uh, this is another cool thing I've really enjoyed and. Um, there's great clubs like you know Joke Joint Comedy Club is a fantastic club. Uh, it's uh, it, it really gives you a freedom, and the people that attend it really give you a freedom to 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 get into what you're doing. You don't necessarily have to go into cookie cutter stuff. And Minneapolis is a great comedy town. Yeah, it but is. a lot of comedy clubs, man. If you're not bringing the heat on every single joke, it's like they panic. They yeah. start to really panic, and the audience. They're not cool. A lot of the audiences are they're papered, and they, they they think that oh hey I love Seinfeld so let's go to the comic book because the Seinfeld will be there. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And and it's like you do your best, and then you you can't you can't please them, you know. And it's it, a lot of these other rooms, just alternate one night rooms in in different cities like the Minneapolis or Cleveland has a ton of them where you can come into town and you know, kind of make a living working off rooms that seat 50, you know? Yeah. And he, but these, those 50 people will pay to pay 10 bucks, and they'll pay attention to everything that you say. Because they're, they're, they're all uh, aficionados. Yeah, they're aficionados, and they want, you know, and they're invested in the, in the products. Right. They want to hear what's going on. I mean, I got to tell you, everybody wants to record their CD in front of these mass crowds, I recorded my CD in front of 50 people at a venue in Cleveland, and it was, it, it sounds exponentially better than wow. my first CD. Cool. 
Cool. I mean, Sarah Silverman uh, recorded her HBO special in a little room in in Los Angeles, and she was she did it in front of fifty people. That's uh, that like yeah, that could be the way, like you said, because people are invested in it, and you know, you got the real core audience, and people you know, they know what time it is, and yeah, I got to imagine you get a a much better and uh, immediate reaction. And uh, I mean, I look, there's some jokes on it. I don't, I'm like, eh, I wish I wouldn't have said that, but they're on there, but. Um, it's that whole thing of it's just like you kind of want to take it to the right people as opposed to before where it's just like I want to get into every single comedy club because just because you're in some of these clubs out there doesn't mean it's going to be a great time. It's yeah. It's just not. It's not the. It's not the way. It's not the way that's comfortable for the the, the performer really. You yeah. know. And uh, I kind of and now and and now at the stage of doing comedy, I want to do stuff that's different, and I and you can't whip that different stuff out of in front of certain audiences, yeah. especially around Christmas time. Oh yeah, yeah, because you have a lot of holiday parties and things oh, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, there's certain clubs this time of year. There's clubs that are like they warn you before you get there, like, oh, this we got a lot of corporate parties. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, there's nothing more fun than being told to go to a party by your workplace, and then. <laughs> You know, you're there, and then the comics have training wheels on, so they can't get into what they're doing. So now you're in a boring corporate party. That's a great time. <laughs> well, but there's money in it. I can't yeah, hate but, on the business for trying to make money. Yep. It is a business, and, and, and they got to make their nut, so I respect that. And you're going from a good comedy town up to a good comedy town there in Minneapolis, so uh, I think you'll, you, you'll be fine. There you go, exactly. So all should be good, at least, for the for, for that gig. Um, and this will the print version of this will be in City Pages the, uh, the week that you're up there, and uh, the podcast will probably drop a week from Sunday, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. I'll let you know. I have, I have an interview with, with um, I might have to scrap, I did with Ralph Harris. I did it over uh, Google Voice, and he sounds fine. I sound awful, and I think it was, wasn't Google Voice's fault. I think I had my mic set wrong, so it sounds like I'm talking into a megaphone. But if I can salvage that, I'll run his when he's there, and then yours will run the week you're there, which would make a lot more sense. But, yeah. um, but anyway, well, I'll give Ralph you both. Ralph Harris is great. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah, yeah, he was a lot of fun to talk to, too. Um, all right, well, this has been great, man. Good talking to a homie. Yeah, man. Awesome. I'm glad. Uh, did you have Angelo's Pizza when you lived here? That sounds familiar. There was also a little Italian joint down um, Madison we used to go to a lot, uh, a couple blocks down from Mally's uh, going west, and we used to go there a lot. Um, so, yeah, we used to do all the all the haunts there. We're actually from the east side. We're east siders, Mentor and Aurora. But we, okay, uh, gotcha, lived to- gotcha. Yeah, but we lived together in Lakewood, and then we moved, uh, ended up moving down here. So Okay. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hopefully someone will bring us a championship someday. It's not looking good right now. Oh, <laughs> That's another thing. I've literally, I, I stopped, I, I got to a point where, because I really enjoy Sundays, have a few beers, watch the yeah. game together with friends. I got to the point where I stopped drinking on Sundays because it ruined the rest of my day. <laughs> like, I was depressed. Oh, yeah. More angry and depressed. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I only have limited time with my wife. I'm not going to ruin it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I began shutting it off. I'm like, you can't, I can't do this to myself anymore. I can't yeah. attach my happiness to a team I'm not on. Yeah, like George Carlin said, when they started winning again, he did this with the Giants, I guess, back in the 70s. He, he stopped watching, and he goes, when they're playing well again, I'll invest in them then. I, I put enough time into this, so maybe that's what we got to right. do. So maybe a couple of years, but uh, one of these days. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We'll see. All right, man. Well, good talking to you, and uh, have a safe trip up to Minneapolis. And I uh, hope to see you down we'll here do. in Cincinnati sometime soon. Excellent. All right, man, back.
Thanks again to Ryan Dalton for being on the show. For more information on Ryan Dalton, go to theryandalton.com. Ryan is going to be in Minneapolis New Year's Eve, that's December 31st, at the Joke Joint for two shows, 8 and 10.30, and then he's there the rest of the week, January 1st through 4th, also headlining. He's there with Laura Thorne as his feature act. So if you're in the Minneapolis area, go check that out. All right, uh, just go through the uh, credits real quick here. Of course, a PFT Recorder logo designed by Dan Coble. Follow him at Tiger Dactyl. Follow me at PEF66 on Twitter. Like the show on Facebook. Music for PS Tape Recorder composed and performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Additional material for PS Tape Recorder this week was provided by Patty Wilson back there in Fake News. Some hilarious stuff that was. Uh, other than that, so long and Thanks for listening. I wrote a book called Shut Up and Sing.